I want to tell you about Rick. Staff from Hope Mission found him during one of this winter's coldest nights. Rick was on the ground behind a dumpster, and he'd been outside for a couple of days by the time the Hope Mission rescue van was called. It was just before midnight, and he'd been lying in one place for so long that there was a human-sized imprint on the concrete where his body heat had melted away the snow. He was curled up in the fetal position, and he was in rough shape. But thanks to you, Rick encountered life-saving hope. I'm Brenton Dreger, and this is Hope Stories. Today on Hope Stories, I'll take you inside the Hope Mission Rescue Van and show you what it's like responding to the needs of our most vulnerable neighbors who are out in the cold and on the street. You'll meet a couple of members of the Rescue Van crew and hear their stories firsthand. Stories like Rick's. When the Rescue Van arrived, Rick was very stiff from the cold and couldn't really move his hands or bend his joints. So staff opened some snacks, granola bars and juice boxes and actually held them up to his mouth for him so he could get some food and fluids into him. From there, they gave Rick a ride back to shelter, helped him get into a bed, and found him some dry clothes and a warm jacket. Without help from someone like you, I'm not sure Rick would have survived, but you were there to offer him food, shelter, warm clothes, life-changing and life-saving care. I want to introduce you to the Hope Mission staff you partner with to offer that life-saving care. We're dealing with people that are cold. Uh, the elements make that. Uh, we're dealing with people that, um, that they probably hit a barrier in their life that they're not able to, to navigate through. And so maybe there's a, a sense of hopelessness there. This is Jason Miller, who works on the rescue van. And I think that's where hope comes in, the word hope, in that we're, we're trying to say there's a better way, there's a hopeful way to live. Um, I think a lot of our community members have hit that wall and they're going, it's hopeless, it's not gonna get better, and, and therefore the destructive behavior that they find themselves into. So what's a typical call for the rescue van? Jason says it varies, but a common one is known as a wellness check. So somebody in the community of Edmonton has seen a, a member, a community member, who's vulnerable. They've passed out in a snowbank or they're in a bus shelter and they just don't seem like they're navigating towards getting into a place of safety, into warmth or anything like that. So we'll get that 211 call, um, get dispatched as far as a wellness check, go out to that person and just ensure that they're, they're okay. Um, so we're checking frostbite, we're checking mental, cognitive ability, you know, different things like that. And if, if it does look like it needs to, we need to bring in more of the professionals, the EMS, then we can call the paramedics in that situation as well. So wellness check would probably be the biggest one that we're addressing at this point in time. Jason's rescue van partner is Ed Major. He says you might think they spend most of their time in the downtown core, but he says the rescue van reaches all corners of the city. We've been more around the, inner, around the city, around the inner city today, uh, but there are days, honestly, where we're back and forth across the city, like northeast to southwest, two or three times that, that we've had days like that. There's no predicting what a day's gonna be like. The rescue van is part of the 24-7 crisis diversion team, which you'll learn more about later on. But for now, I'll just tell you that when you see someone in distress, and if it's not an emergency, 
please call 211 and press 3. That call goes to the dispatch for the crisis diversion team, and it frees up first responders so they can focus on emergencies. And it takes an incredible amount of pressure off the system. I, you have no idea. Like, if we were not responding to these calls, EPS or EMS would, be have, would often be called to them. And it just takes an incredible amount, amount of hours for them to do that. And the call wait period, it gets increased. So we can usually get there faster than the police can and with less disruption if there's mental illness and or addiction happening. Us not having a gun reduces the barriers. Uh, we can sit on the floor with them and develop a relationship and rapport. You heard Ed mention sitting on the floor. That's a common occurrence, and it helps Ed and others connect with community members. When you care enough about their story and who they are to be at the same level, spend time with them, and listen. Another interaction we had yesterday, we were driving in the Capilano area, and Jay was driving. We just happened to come by a bank vestibule, and they waved to us, so stopped there, and the guy came out, and we gave him something to eat and looked for a pair of shoes for him. But inside, I just go, ah, there needs to be more. So I went and sat on the floor with them. He is so down. Um, he lost his dad to cancer seven years ago, was there at the cancer hospital every day, and it wore him out. Started using opiate for himself, and now has developed an opiate addiction that is so serious, the only time he feels relief is when he's high, or when he's loaded. And then when it comes off, it's just really heavy and very weighty because he's never grieved. So we talked about that, he talked about how he wants to die when he's coming down, which is pretty common, and talked about some options in terms of recovery. He wasn't prepared yet, but it was a conversation. And I trust the conversation to remember. Conversations like that plant seeds of hope. And who knows when that seed will germinate, grow, and blossom into an incredible story of life change. Thank you for making this story a reality. A special shout out to our Hearts of Hope monthly donors, to our partners in hope, and to all those who made a gift toward emergency care. If you've not yet heard Michael's story in the last episode of Hope Stories, go check it out. He shares his incredible journey of transformation, from sleeping on the street right next to Hope Mission, to finding hope and purpose in recovery. Rhonda commented on Facebook, that's awesome, I'm proud of you. Thank God for agencies like Hope Mission. Power Psychology said, good job, Michael. You are worthy of support and deserving of good things. Thank you, Hope Mission, for supporting Michael and others. And Brenda posted, congratulations, Michael, that's awesome. I love to hear those inspiring comments and to hear from you about what inspires your gift. So if you have a comment or a question you'd like to ask, send us an email at hopestories at hopemission.com. We'll get back to the show in just a minute, but before we do that, I want to extend a special invitation to you to join me at this year's Cold Hands Warm Hearts Walk. On March 11th, we will walk to raise funds for Hope Mission to continue to provide meals, shelter, and care for the men, women, youth, and children who come to our doors. Our goal for this event is an ambitious $50,000. So to accomplish this goal, we're looking for 35 team captains. This can be people of any age and who can recruit six to eight friends to their team 
with the goal of raising $1,000 per team. Now, you can also choose to join an existing team that needs support. But what we really need right now are those team captains. You can go to hopemission.com slash warmhearts. That's hopemission.com slash warmhearts and click on create a team to get signed up and start uh, moving. Now these team captains, you are the real MVP of this event and your task, should you choose to accept it, is to get six to eight friends, family, coworkers, church friends, uh, school pals, teammates, etc., to join your team. You'll oversee your team's fundraising and you'll stand alongside your posse as you walk together on March 11th. Now, we are walking, we're doing this walk for people like Roxanne. Roxanne is currently staying beside a dumpster uh, by a no frills and she started to open up a little bit about the pain of being on the streets, but she has reservations about staying in a shelter. So when our staff have the chance, they take the time to speak with people like Roxanne, hear her story, build bridges, develop trust, so that she knows the door is always open when she's ready to come in. We're also doing this walk for people like Richard. Uh, he arrived at our shelter after fleeing from an unsafe situation where he was staying. He connected with our housing team and they told him that, or he told them that he'd experienced homelessness on and off since the age of 11. The team helped Richard find housing. He moved into his apartment. Now he has a home and a place of his own where he can feel safe. Over the course of the next year, Richard found stability in his housing and was assisted in connecting with a number of community supports through his support worker. Richard also has a history of uh, abuse and trauma that's impacted him on a regular basis and so he's been connected with a psychologist to help him get some counseling. And he's also experienced a number of health issues including a recent diagnosis, but he's well connected with medical supports and he has a good standing relationship with his landlord and successfully con uh, exited our program after one year. So we walk for people like Richard. And not everyone who comes to Hope Mission is experiencing homelessness. I spoke with one of our guests a couple of weeks ago. You might remember him from episode three of Hope Stories. His name is Brian, and Brian was mugged on Boxing Day, attacked at gunpoint by four men. He was beaten and robbed. Uh, they took most of his clothes and left them out in the extreme cold. And he ended up on the ground with the snow drifting over him, not far from Hope Mission. And the Hope Mission rescue van happened to be stopped at a red light. They looked over and saw his arms sticking out of the snow. And they went over, brought him into the van, got some blankets on him, warmed him up, brought him to shelter. O'Brien was suffering from severe frostbite, plus amnesia from hitting his head. But our nurses in the Hope Mission Medical Clinic cared for his frostbite. After several days in shelter, his amnesia started to clear and the name of an apartment came to him one night. The next morning, they called the apartment and the landlord said he lived there and he'd been a tenant there for three years. Brian faces a long recovery, but he's got a home to return to, and he has arrangements to get back to work when he's able. And he says, if it wasn't for Hope Mission, I wouldn't be going back home. He says, it's scary to think about. Honestly, if it wasn't for that van, I'd be under that snow drift until spring. That's why we walk. That's why I'm inviting you to walk. For people like Brian, like Richard, like Roxanne, to open the door, to build trust, to offer life-changing care to our hurting and hungry neighbors. You can sign up and find more information at hopemission.com slash warmhearts. That's hopemission.com slash warmhearts. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on March 11th.
In a moment, I want to introduce you to Ade, the program coordinator for the Hope Mission Rescue Van. But first, one more story, and it's about Terry. Terry was living in his truck. The rescue van team was checking in on him on a cold day, and they found him in rough shape. Terry had really bad frostbite on his limbs. They got him to the hospital, but they were afraid that he'd need to have his feet amputated. But because our crew intervened when they did and got Terry out of the cold and into the care of doctors and nurses, they were able to help him recover. And Terry didn't need an amputation after all. The number of people experiencing homelessness has doubled in the last few years. That means this winter, there are an increasing number of people living rough. Here's Ade Adeoye, Program Coordinator for the Hope Mission Rescue Van, to explain what the rescue van is and how it teams up with others in the community to respond to the needs of vulnerable neighbors. So the Hope Mission Rescue Van is a part of um, an interagency operation um, called uh, the 24-7 Crisis Diversion. And it's a partnership between Hope Mission, so the Hope Mission side is the Hope Mission Rescue Van, uh, the Bull Street team, um, and then the overarching agency that oversees what we do is called REACH Edmonton. Um, and the, the, the primary mandate that we have as, as a team, uh, the crisis diversion team, is to divert crisis from EMS and EPS. Remember what Ed said earlier about how they help take strain off the system? Ade says it's helpful to have the crisis diversion team respond to these calls because for community members, it can be less intimidating than interacting with someone in a uniform, like police. The history that our community members have um, with, you know, EPS or, 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 or other uniformed organizations, you know, there the, the probably isn't that good a report built. And this is not the fault of the organization or the fault of the community member. It's just how, it's just how the history has been. You know, we have um, community members that have been in correctional facilities, we have committee members that have been um, in custody of EPS, and usually those interactions are not, um, um, they're not ideal, they're not exactly where the committee member wants to be at that point in time when they're having that interaction. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we come in with that offer of um, shelter, um, food, clothing, basic amenity, amenities that people need um, just on, on, a, on a very fundamental level. And so um, we already have that reputation. It's built over the course of time, right? Um, just anybody who you see on the street and you're offering food to is probably likely to um, be favorably disposed to, to, to having a conversation with you, right? And so in, in some sense, we, we are armed with goodies, if you, if you will. And so that really uh, diffuses any kind of tension. Uh, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that we have good interactions, pleasant interactions all the time, mm -hmm. but the chances of having a good interaction are higher by reason of just um, the approach that we bring. A day brought me into the back of one of the rescue vans to show me the sort of items they share with people in need. In this van, we have, we have what we call, I guess, clothing supplies and hygiene supplies. So um, in this corner over here, we have clothing supplies that we can give to um, community members if there is a need. Um, in here we have more clothing supplies, we have underwear, we have um, soil pads for, uh, you know, if a person is sold themselves. Uh, just right behind Brenton over there we have 
supplies for women. So we have uh, panty liners, we have tampons, things like that. Over here, we have toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes. Um, and, you know, these things are just the essentials that you, you know, people need from day to day. And, you know, it, it, is, it is unfortunate if they can't get it. So, you know, just for a person to be able to brush their teeth so they can actually have proper interactions with um, members of society without being, um, other people being put off by their appearance. You know, these things go a long way. You never know, um, you know, if an individual is just trying to, you know, take the next step, maybe go to a bank, have a conversation about getting some money or maybe they want to go to um, a place where they can get their ID. You know, being properly presented presentable, being presentable, looking um, just decent enough may help expedite that um, process, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we, we really are trying to help community members in every little way to make sure that they, they're not caught up in this cycle um, and, and they're able to uh, move on to better things in their life. And today I wanted to share this story with you about how the rescue van team found someone struggling in the cold and offered him help that he'll never forget. I think one of the most touching stories I've heard recently was um, during the cold snap, I think the week of December 19th. Mm. Uh, one of our teams was just going around, because uh, usually we're driving around town, and, and you know, if we're not on a call, we're driving around town to see how we can offer what we call general service. And uh, there was this gentleman, he was at, the, at a bus stop, right? And he had a place to go, so not all, not all the people that we serve um, are just, um, displaced he had a place to go but he was he'd been waiting for the bus and and the bus was delayed but oh. it was one of those days when it was really really cold now in practice and by policy we don't transport people from a bus station from a bus stop to a bus station but he just needed to get to a bus station so that he could catch his bus and then get to the place where he needs to get to um i think the condition they found in found him in was really um at that point, I think the code had gotten to him, right? So they bring him in, they interact with him, he tells them what, where he's trying to get to, where he's trying to go, and they make this exception for this individual. Um, his comment when they were dropping him off at the bus station was, I will never forget this in my life. Hmm. That was, for me, that was very touching. I guess I can, you know, just from a, you can connect with that kind of, um, perspective if you've been in the cold for a long time and just you know the colder it gets the the less hope um, you have right and I think the hope mission rescue event showing up at that point in time when he really needed it I'm, I'm sure he's not gonna forget it actually mm. that's the hope that your gift provides remember Rick remember Terry to someone all alone in the cold you offer warmth, safety, shelter, and life-saving care. You give hope. These hope stories are your stories. They truly are not possible without your support. And you can write the next hope story today by going to hopemission.com. Just follow the link in the show notes. Hope begins with a meal. And for just $27 a month, you can become a Hearts of Hope donor and provide monthly meals, care and programs to vulnerable people in need. Thank you for your care and compassion for providing hope to men and women, children and youth, families and communities across Alberta. I'm Brenton Dreger. Thanks for listening to Hope Stories.